0: We're in a doctrine series, it's called Doctrine, Knowing Who God Is Defines Who I Am. Knowing who God is defines who I am. And so we spent a lot of time, you can go listen online, talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and knowing who they are, the Trinity is, um, really defines who we are, and then we talked about sin, and we talked about salvation last week, and today we're going to talk about the church, the church, the church. When you hear the church, those words, are you encouraged? Are you discouraged? I think, I'll say them again the church what's your gut reaction to that is it a good thing is it a bad thing i think that depends on your on your history right it depends on what's happened in the past the background i'll just share a little bit of my story maybe you can recount your story i grew up in a church that's a, an astounding blessing but it also can be a curse, right? Because you can be apathetic. You can think you're a really good person when you're really not. I remember in sixth grade, I remember it vividly because my best friend was on the other side of the aisle, so to speak. I remember a church split. It's probably why I don't like congregational government, government to this today. I remember the church splitting and I remember having to leave that church and go to a different one. And I remember thinking, why can't the adults get along? Right? It's easy to judge when you're in sixth grade. Down on the church, right? Strike one. And then I remember going to another church Grew up kind of in an independent church and then went to a regular Baptist church as opposed to irregular. I don't know what that means. (laughs) And I remember I'm just making fun. And, uh, you know, you might have grew up Baptist, Catholic, Lutheran, no religious affiliation at all. I don't know. That's what I'm asking you to recount is what's your background because it affects what you think of the church. And I remember... um, I think it was ninth grade, maybe 10th grade. um, My youth pastor deciding to leave the church, run away with his girlfriend, who was a youth leader, and left his wife and and one kid. And I remember the church not handling it very well, not saying anything other than, oh, I just left, he took another church job, which he did, which was even more sick. And... um, And down on the church, right? And I was like, man, I don't want to be any part of the church. And then maybe a year or two later, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And everything changed. Because I realized that the church was the entity that Jesus Christ died to establish. You're going to see it in the passage here in Scripture. Open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2. I put my faith and trust in Christ and I started to love the church for what it could be, what God intended it to be, for the power that it had, that it wielded through the Holy Spirit. Back to my question. How do you feel? How do you think about the church? It depends on your history a little bit. But it also depends on you and your relationship with God. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then I would just encourage you with this statement. We are blessed to know that we are a part of the church. We're blessed. We're blessed to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are a part of the church. All believers, all time, a part of the church so depending on how you think and feel about the church and I would ask you why consider why you feel that way let's look at what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 if you're there say you're there all right you guys are quick I get it move on Steve mm-hmm. Therefore, that's always uh, an amazing statement, therefore, because of verses 1 through 10, which we've studied the last two weeks, because of this, therefore, remember, I think you should circle that in your Bible, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands, remember, he says it again, circle that, remember that you, Gentiles, were at that time, four things, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. It's a grim picture. But now, in Christ Jesus, woo! Okay. You Gentiles, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But he. Jesus himself is our peace who has made us both one. I put a little box around that one. He's starting to talk about something here. And, the, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create... Jesus Christ created you in the first place, and now he's creating something new. Catch it. See if you can catch it. That he might create in himself one new man. Box that up. One new man. What is he talking about? In place of two Jews and Gentiles, so making peace and might reconcile us, both Jews and Gentiles, to God in one body, box that up, one body, one, one new man, one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he, Jesus, came and preached peace to you, Gentiles who were afar off, and peace to those who were near, that's the Jews. For through him, we both, have access, it's a key word, access, in one Spirit to the Father. You have Jesus, the Spirit, and the Father all in one verse right there. Through Him, Jesus, we both have access in one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to the Father. Father God. So that you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. If you've been in our church in the last three years, you know that that verse has been our theme verse for three years, right? Right? built strong. We want a church built strong on the prophets and the apostles, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, Jesus, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. What is he talking about? What is he talking about the church right he's like no longer jews no longer gentiles one new man one body anybody has access anybody who will believe in the blood of jesus christ as payment for sin anybody the church the church. Three things here, you got to get out of the passage. Okay, here's verses 11 and 12. Remember, right? He said remember twice, remember. You need to remember this. I don't know if you forgot it, I don't know if you never knew it, but now you need to remember it. Remember where you came from. You got to remember where you came from. He kind of reashed it, right? We talked about 2 weeks ago, sin, right? You came from far off. You came from separated from God. You came well, Here in verse 11, he says, you came from being Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. Good illustration. Name-calling in the Bible. They're like throwing insults. The uncircumcision, right? Hurling them. You ever been called a name? Any church-appropriate names you've been called that you'd like to share? Go ahead. This is your part of the message. Reject? Reject. Christian. Christian? All right. Fundamentalist. fundamentalist? I'm a fundamentalist. I'm just not angry about it. <laughs> Bible, thumper. Bible thumper, yeah. Legalist. Legalist? Might have been called that by me. Sorry. Sorry. Intolerant, hypocrite. You guys are all on the church thing, so I was kind of just on the physical thing, right? I grew up as a kid. I got called fatty. I was kind of bigger, and uh, particularly at the pool, at the pool. I don't know if kids at the pool are really cruel or what, but at the pool, I'd get called fatty. And Dumbo. I get called Dumbo, okay? Okay. Anybody along those lines? Come on now, idiot. Yeah, man shoulders. Ooh, that's a good one. That one cut. That one cut deep. That one cut deep. Loud mouth. Anybody gotten been called loudmouth? Yep, right there. I've been called loud mouth. Four eyes. There you go. I've been called selfish, and that one probably should stick. Right? So we're all far off. We're all separated from God because of our selfishness, because of our sin, because of the sin nature, right? Our actions and attitudes and nature we talked about when we talked about sin. And it says here that we were separated from Messiah, from Jesus. We were alienated from Israel. So there's two things that are being separated. Jews and Gentiles were separate. And then sinner and God were separate. These are two things that are being pointed out in the scriptures here. Jews separated from Gentile and sinner separated from God. Gentiles were strangers to the covenant promises. They didn't nope there, no promise for them. And then no hope without God no hope, no purpose, no direction in life. Does that sound familiar? I think I've been there a few times. Have you? I'm the only one? I think everybody gets to that point where they're like, what's what's the point? I got no hope. I got no purpose. I got no direction. And you just kind of wind up that way one week and you're just like depressed. I don't know. And that's where we all came from. Every single one of us, we need to remember where we came from. We came from far off. It wasn't looking good for us, eh? See a lot of purple. Wasn't looking good for us, hey? Eh? Last week. It's the most purple I've ever seen in church. Purple is God's color, so hey, you can bring it back. But it wasn't looking very good for us. And then the Minneapolis miracle happened, right? There's a couple of verses that I want to share with you. Uh, you could flip over and see them. Galatians, just a couple of pages to the left. Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-eight. Galatians three twenty-eight. Here's your miracle right here. Galatians three twenty-eight. We'll we'll just start at verse twenty-seven. That's that's a good one to start with. For as many as you of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. And you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And then you just look across the page to chapter 6. Verse 15, Galatians 6, 15 says, For neither circumcision counts for anything. You're not special because you're Jewish, nor uncircumcision. You're not worse off because they're calling you names, uncircumcised. But a new creation, right? God created a new man, a new entity, A new body called the church. Jesus miraculously brought us near. Amen? I mean, that was just a great, I mean, I said it kind of like sad, but that was just a great spot to be like, yeah, right? Jesus miraculously, like, were you not in your living room last weekend going, what just happened? Our house might have shook. All right? Were you not like that? Am I lying? Then maybe just a little more energy in the church? Jealous for the things of God here? Jesus miraculously brought you near. Woo! That's amazing. The second thing, you're going to get that later today and you're just going to be shouting. Number two, remember who brought you here. you got to remember who brought you here. It's not like you got to come on your own. It's not like you did some crazy thing. Remember who brought you here. His name is Jesus. Let me talk about him. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, Have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace. He has made us both one, Jew and Gentile, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. The dividing wall of hostility is two things, right? Commentators can't agree. It's one, it's uh, spiritual, right? There's something separating us from Christ, right? But that's sinner to God. But there was something he's referencing here, too, between Jews and Gentiles, right? There was a wall, okay? There was a Gentile court, and then there was a Jew court, right? And the Gentiles had to stop. And here's what it said right outside the door. Here's what it said. Plaque on the side. No foreigner may enter in the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. That's serious. The Jews were pretty serious about this dividing wall, and Paul's serious is a heart attack about it being abolished. And it's abolished by Jesus Christ. He abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, how'd he do that? He nullified them, right? He nullified them. He said, I made them on tablets, and I paid the price to erase the tablets. We're done. We're done with that. We're out of law. We're into grace. Yes. Because I can't add up to the law. How many of those commandments did you break this week? I just happened to read that yesterday, Exodus 20, on the 20th day. Imagine that. And uh, I was just like, man, I might have broke three or four of those this week. I might have broke five or six. I might have broke them all. I didn't murder anybody. But if you hated someone, I don't think I did this week. Maybe. He abolished. He made the law ineffective and powerless. And he created, it says, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So making peace, he might reconcile us both to God in one body. Reconcile means to bring together again. You ever been like separated from somebody like you didn't have a good relationship for a season and then it was like, you're good again. That's reconciliation. That's what it is. It's like, hey, okay, have you ever fought with your wife? <clears throat> Thanks, David. That was a great head shake. No, you don't have a wife. <laughs> right, bad illustration. I most often fight with my wife than any other person, probably cuz I love her so much and we're passionate, right? We're passionate people. So that relates to me. Whoever you most likely fight with, just think of the last time you fought and how distant you felt, right? And then the reconciliation when you forgave one another and we're like how did that forgiveness happen? How did that even come about? How could that even be possible apart from Jesus Christ? He's the one that reconciled us back to God and back to each other. It's astounding what Jesus did on the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Do you know that you can go straight to God the Father with your prayer, with your concern, with your need, with your maybe even want. You can go straight to them through one spirit. The spirit will help you pray, right? And you can only gain that access through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we pray in Christ's name, in Jesus' name. It's not like a magic phrase we put at the end of our prayer because we think it like, has some like spiritual power. But we realize that that is the reason we get to pray at all. It's Jesus' blood. It's Jesus' power. It's Jesus' name. It's what he did. Remember who brought you here? Who brought you here today? You're like, well, my, my hubby said this would be a good place to... Well, Good. My friend said this is a place where, you know, I'd be loved and cared for. You will. But the only reason you will is because of Jesus. Right? We love you because Christ loved us. We love you. We welcome one another as Christ welcomed us. That's what Romans 15, 7 says. That's why you're going to see friendly faces. That's why you're going to be welcomed right in because Jesus Christ is who brought you here. And he's who brought us all here. We have access. Jesus promised us the power, the help, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, didn't he? John 14 through 16, he did. He did. Okay, so here's the third point. Remember what you are a part of. You have to remember what you are a part of. So you remember where you came from far off, you remember who brought you here, Jesus Christ, and you remember what you are a part of. What are you a part of? What are you a part of? You're part of the church. Let's call it what the Bible calls it. You're a part of the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, people that are called out of the world to be separate, unique, different, for Christ. You're part of the church. I know he uses the words one, one new man, one body. You are now fellow citizens, members, being joined together, growing by the Spirit. I mean, this is so cool. Um, sometimes I like to play blocks. And uh, so I brought mine today. And I thought we could play a little bit, you and me. And uh, man, I'm going to need some more than that because this church is big. All right, so... I heard the parking lot's like full today. I'm sorry about that. Um, I will park further away next week. Um, but uh, you can park further away too if you see fit. And uh, that way our visitors will want to come, right, and, and be there. But, but if you play blocks with me and uh, you start building, I remember when Todd and Dawn came and they, they were some of the first people that came to our church. And who's this right here? Jesus, right? Yeah, good. Okay, got to have the cornerstone. Okay, and then and then you and then you get this all built up. And uh, but what happened last week exactly? What what happened in our service last week exactly? Does anybody know? Yeah, like some people accepted Jesus Christ. Good thing I have more blocks. Uh, some people accepted Jesus Christ. I mean, I think there were two and 9 o'clock and, and 8. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to exaggerate. I didn't count but because uh, we're not really counting. Um, or at least I wasn't. Um, I was just astounded that one person would come because that means the Holy Spirit was here and was doing something, right? And so we added blocks, and, and the building got bigger. The parts became more. And the place that houses God's glory here at Harvest Bible Chapel in Rochester, Minnesota became more living stones, bigger place for God's glory to reside. There's more glory in the church today than there was last week. Amen? We can reflect more of God's glory with more people, right? And that's why we're not like satisfied like, oh, let's not preach the gospel again. Let's not see if anybody else will get saved or if anybody's going to come to know Jesus. No, no, the gospel every week. Every week the gospel in order to build the building called the church. Are you part of the church? Are you in the blocks? Are you one of these? A Christian? A living stone? Set apart from the world, holy unto God? Devoted for his service. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Given gifts of the Spirit to use to build up the church. Man. Imagine if we all were a part of this thing. Imagine if we all were using our gifts and abilities to reflect God's glory. Not perfectly. Perfectly. But progressing, right? But progressing in the amount of glory we can reflect because of the holiness and the righteousness of Christ in us. Can you imagine what that would look like? I can. I dream about it every day. I get up and I think, God, your people are helping the world today. Will you help them reflect your glory? Will you bring more people next week because of their testimony, because of the word of Christ, right? And more people keep showing up. Because the church is alive. The church is the light of the world. The church is the hope for this ball called the earth. This is the hope Are you a living stone or just a rock, right? Just taking up a seat. Hope not. But you do got to ask the question, right? Have I ever accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Have I ever prayed, right? I mean, the salvation thing was so clear last week, right? Faith and repentance, that's conversion, right? Being born again, right? A new life, a new person, Filled by the Holy Spirit and dwelled, I belabor it. The reason I belabor it is this. Not everyone who says they are a Christian is a Christian. Does that scare you? That scares me. And not every church that says they're a church is a church. That scares me too. Not scares me as in, oh no, (laughs) but scares me as in, you know, people can be deceived. Satan is a crafty liar. They can be deceived about their own standing, and they can be deceived about their own religious affiliation or church or whatever. Well, let's be clear about the church, right? Rest of the message on that? Let's be clear about the church. Here it is. Uh, the church. The church. It's meaning. There's some metaphors in the scripture. There's some marks I'm going to give you. And there's a uh, mission, We got that? There you go. There it is. The church. Let me just spend the rest of our doctrine talk on these headings, okay? Here's the meaning. The meaning. You could find this in uh, Grudem's systematic theology. It's the church is the community of all true believers for all time. The community of all true believers for all time. That's the universal church. That's the church. In the Old Testament, uh, Deuteronomy 4.10, God was always gathering the people, right? He's like, gather the people to me. Let them assemble and worship me. And he's still saying that. We are in the New Testament, an ecclesia, a group of called out ones. Why? To worship God, right? Throughout scripture, God called his people to assemble, to worship him. That's what we did today. Today. We are assembling to worship God. We assembled to worship him in prayer. We assembled to worship him in song. We assembled to worship him in some readings that we did, the scriptures. We assembled to worship him in listening to the preaching of the word of God and in responding to the preaching of the word of God. We're here to worship you, Lord. We gathered today to worship you. The church is meaning invisible, as in God sees who the real church is. And it's visible, as in we see churches. Use that word loosely. And it's made up of believers and non-believers. The wheats and the tares, right? So what we see... Isn't always what God sees. And oh, to have more of His vision, right? Let's think and act and look like what He wants. And then this, it's universal, all believers everywhere, and it's local, a community of God's people. We're a local church. We're not the universal church. We're not the only church in town. We are a local church, right? We have elders, we have deacons. We pre- oh, I'm getting into the marks. We're, g- we're going to get to that. There's a reason that this is set apart as a church. It's established on the foundation of Christ, and it has certain parts, certain marks. I'll get to that in a second. Then the metaphors. Let me just talk to you about the metaphors. You can see metaphors for the church. The church is described in Scripture all over the place. Um, some of them I'll say, some of them I won't. Okay, you go study that on your own. But I'll give you four. The big four, right? the church is a bride. It's a bride. Ephesians talks about that in chapter 5. It's a bride. There's a relationship between the husband and the wife and that's like Christ and his church. Then this. Branches. We're branches. Hopefully living branches, not sticks, not twigs that are thrown in the fire, right? But branches that will be pruned Branches on a vine. It's also referred to as an olive tree, a field of crops, and a harvest. So it's growing, living. The church is a building. First Corinthians 3. It's a new temple. It's a group of living stones. It has a cornerstone, Jesus Christ. It's a building. Paul was fond of using all of these illustrations. It's a body. Last, we'll go with that. A body. 1 Corinthians 12. It's a body. It's a whole body with one head, Jesus Christ, but it's also parts of the body. He goes on in in chapter 12 and he's like, hey, but you might be the eye. You might be the elbow. Well, he doesn't say that in there, does he? But, but, you could add that because that's part of the body, right? So there are going to be elbows. There are going to be fingernails to protect, right? There are going to be things that aren't in the word, but it gives you specific things, hands, feet, eyes, parts that you don't want to see, in, in modest parts, whatever. It talks about that. You can go read it in 1 Corinthians 12. What part are you? You're like, I don't know my place. I don't know what part I am. We are here to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you don't know what your part is in this church and you want to be a part of this church, we want to help you. Is that clear? You need to know what your part is. Because the more parts that are working underneath the authority of the head, I mean, the more astounding the body gets, the more powerful it is. More to come on on that in the future. And then this, Marks. Let's let's continue to go here. Marks. Marks of a healthy church. Marks of a healthy church. I'll just give you five, okay? There's probably more, but these are top five, okay? We'll give you top five. All right. Preaching. Not just preaching, but correct biblical preaching of the word of God. What grieves me more than anything is the guy that will come up Take his Bible, set it on a chair, pull some note cards out, and start to declare something other than the Word of God. What just happened? Matter of fact, this table has allowed me to set my Bible down too much. I used to preach with my Bible in my hand all the time. I think that was better. I need to go back to that. But I was told that people need a little barrier. I'm a little intense, so it's like, okay, I'll just stand behind the table, give you a little space, right? Right? <laughs> Give you a little space. Give you a little space. But, but I've, I've noticed that I'm putting my Bible down more. And, and the authority of the word is, we have to preach this. So preaching, the right kind of preaching, biblical preaching, correct preaching, that makes a church, okay? It's not a church if it's not doing that. Yeah, that's strong. Yeah, I know. That's what the Bible says, okay? Okay, second, A church that is correctly doing the ordinances, right? Some people call it sacraments, and then they add more to them. Um, There are two ordinances that I see in Scripture, baptism and the Lord's Supper. The reason for these ordinances, they are controls for membership. They help churches control who's in and who's out, right? I want to be a member. Okay, have you accepted Christ? Yes. Have you been baptized as a symbol of that? No. Then, then you're not obeying the word. And so we're, we're not taking a disobedient believer into our fellowship. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have disobedient believers in our fellowship. We do. <laughs> Weekly, I disobey and then I repent, right? But it's a, it's a way to have a control on membership. It's a protection, okay? the Baptism is the entrance in, and communion is a continual checkup, right? Am I good? Am I good? Am I good? Am I good? Well, no, I'm not good, right? When we take communion, we're saying we're not good. We're remembering that Jesus Christ is our goodness. He's our righteousness. He's our reputed righteousness. So it's like a constant reminder that who brought me here? And it's a good uh, refresher of keeping our people intact. Remember, you're not supposed to take communion if you have a problem with another believer. Right? That would help you fill, uh, fulfill the commitments we've made, right? I will speak lovingly and directly to those that have offended me. Like, we're going to get this solved. We're not going to go back and forth. We're not gonna, I'm not taking communion unless we're right. These are good things. Biblical administration of the ordinances. All right, then this. Biblical authority structure with a plurality of elders and deacons. This is not a one-man church. You need to know that. I sit with three other guys every Wednesday night, almost every Wednesday night. These are the most godly guys we could find in our church, right? We have a good sense that when things go south... And sometimes they do in the church. We have an enemy called Satan. He's really good at this. Okay, when things go south, that these men are going to do what? Give their opinion? Nope. Go back to the word of God for wisdom on how to handle the situation. That's what we do. And deacons that are serving, so much more about that. Another message about the authority structure of our church, but there's got to be authority God kind of does that, doesn't he? Like kids, parents. Who's the parent under? God. No, the church. Who's the church under? God, right? So there's an authority structure. What happens when your son, Emily, daughter, what happens when Emily turns 18 and she's gone, Jeremy? What, I mean, is she under your authority? Whose authority do you hope she'll get under? The church, right? You hope she'll get in a good church and be under the authority of a church so she'll be under the authority of God, right? So that's that's the authority structure. More on that another day. Biblical purity, purity of the church, freedom from wrong doctrine and conduct, conformity to God's revealed will purity some churches more pure some churches less pure it wanes that's why we keep calling you back to repentance right not because we want to make you feel bad about your sin i don't feel bad about my sin guilty sometimes but i don't feel bad about it why not it's covered it's covered by the blood but the the more we understand it's covered the blood the more we don't want to sin and the less we sin not what we will ever be sinless, but we could sin less, and we'd be more purified as a church. This is why church discipline's a thing, right? If somebody says I'm part of this church, but I'm leaving my wife, or I'm leaving my husband, or I'm, we'd be like, hold on, whoa, 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 that's not what we signed up for. That's not the relation we had, and we would have to purify the church by saying we want to be in relationship with you, but we can't be in relationship with you if you're. Sinning to that degree, right? Blatantly saying what God says is true is false. I hope that none of us would be doing that. Not on a consistent basis at least. It's a slippery slope, isn't it? Are you feeling judged today? I hope not. I don't want you to feel judged, but I do want you to know that God is holy, right? Right? And that there is a judgment, that Jesus Christ is a king and he sits on a throne and he will be declaring you righteous or or not based on him and what you did with him. Then, this biblical unity, biblical unity, the unity of the church, freedom from division, at least amongst true believers. We are called to work for the unity of the visible church. Here's an app. An application for this. Membership, right? Marks of the church, right? Notice membership wasn't in there. (laughs) But I think it got touched on several times. Do you want to be under authority? Do you want to practice the sacraments the way God has set forth in his word? Do you want to sit under biblical teaching? Do you want to be in purity? Do you want to be in unity? I would just say to you, membership, right? Membership is a great application. Um, We were at a members meeting on Friday night and I was just astounded that so many people showed up and I was really grateful. But then I was like thinking about the 472 people that come on an average basis. And I was like, man, we could have so many more members if people would commit. And then I thought of the 670 some that call Harvest Their Home, don't always come every week and that's okay too, but But I was like, what if they would commit to, like, coming every week, take that next step? Then maybe membership would be down the road. And I just knew that I had to ask you this. Are you a member here? That's a yes or no question. I mean, it's not like, well, I don't know, I think, maybe. No, that's a yes or no question. You signed a piece of paper saying, I want to be a member here. You had a membership interview with an elder. Or leader in our church, or you didn't. Are you a member? Answer that question. Why not? Why not? Answer that question. How is that helping Jesus build the visible church here in Rochester? That's the question. Jesus Christ says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a promise for the church you want to be a member. That's not a promise for you to show up when you want to show up. That's a promise for the church. And so I would encourage you, I know you could get like sideways right now. You're in your head, you're getting all sideways on me. You're like, well, it's universal church. There's universal And there's local. Will you submit to the Lord by submitting to a a group of authority of elders, deacons, leaders? Maybe would you even work towards being an elder or a deacon, right? We want a lot of Titus 2 men and women in our church, people that are mature in Christ Would you consider this, right? I know I've spoken truth. I've challenged you. But I've challenged you, but I'm also offering you hope. Right? I'm challenging you hard, but I'm saying there's hope. You could be a member. You could probably be a member by the end of the month. There's lots of hope. Make it your aim to be a member of a local church ASAP as soon as possible. Why don't you make that your aim? Be a member of a local church, if not here, somewhere else. Why? Why? Why would I do that, Steve? Why would I do that? Because the church is on a mission. That's why. Are you on a mission? The church is on a mission. Here's the mission. We'll end with this. We have a mission. It is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Matthew 28, 19, 20. I won't quote it for you. you. Everybody probably knows that. We've said it a billion times, a million times. Sorry, I exaggerated. Here's the mission. Let me boil it down to three things for you. We come to worship God. That's what the church does it worships God, it gathers together to worship God, to go vertical. We're a vertical church. We come to nurture believers. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm trying to build you up. I'm trying to get you encouraged to go out there and do it again. I'm trying to make you stronger. Nurture believers. Colossians 1, 28 29, let me just read it for you. It says this, him we proclaim, I'm doing that today, warning everyone, I've done some warning, and teaching everyone, I've done some teaching, with all wisdom, I hope that was true, that we may present everyone mature in Christ, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy, spirit energy, that he powerfully works within me. I am like trying hard, but not in the flesh. I'm trying hard in the power of the Holy Spirit to get you to see the truth of God's word. And then this last thing, impact the world. Reach the world with compassion, with love, with the same mercy you've gotten. Reach the world. Reach them. Shine a light this week. Don't come and be all churchy at church and then go be worldly in the world. Don't be churchy in the world either. They'll hate you for it. Be what? Be real. Be real. The vision of our church is real people. We're encouraging you to be a real person out there. You have faults, admit them. And tell people why you're not concerned with it because Jesus Christ has covered it. They're like, what? I have a hope and a future, and it doesn't depend on me. I messed up. I'm going to get it right this time in the power of the Holy Spirit. Be real. Real people encountering amazing God and experiencing lasting change. Are you experiencing any change in your life? I pray that you are. That change will be attractive to the world. They will see who you are, and they'll say, I want that. I want to be like that. I don't even know what it means to be like that, but I want that. How come they're happy? They just lost their job. How come they're happy? They just got a bad diagnosis of a cancer or some other tragedy. How come they're happy? Why don't I get to be happy? This world's all about being happy. No, it's not about happiness. It's about joy. Have joy in Christ, even through the hardest things this week. Joy in Christ. I pray that we will all have that. We have a job to do. We need to grow in our eternal impact. I think I've given you enough. Um, I love you. I'm grateful for you. A lot of application out of this message. I pray that you'll take one of those things and just really wrap your head around it and get after it.